1: I want to welcome you to this next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast, and today we are with Thomas Gelmi. Thomas, I have to really pronounce your name since you said it's Italian, right?
0: Yes, it is. Well, many people say Gelmi, and that's fine too, but it is actually Gelmi, like in gelato.
1: Yeah, I like that. So, Thomas Gelmi. Thomas is the owner and MD of Gelmi Interpersonal Development. Thomas, you're also an executive coach, an author, and a speaker and uh, i find that as we kind of progress through life we tend to add these extra layers and expressions of of what we do do you do you plan to add some more to, to that
0: no not really not necessarily because the list may get uh longer and longer no 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 and i think it's not so important uh what we are uh, and what hats we wear and what roles we're in but who we are
1: mm. you know? yeah People always say, Matt, you do so many things, you wear so many hats. And I say, Yes, but it's the same head, which is the which is the key, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Good. (laughs) Like it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So we're gonna dive straight in over the next 30 minutes because I always think, you know, it's my responsibility to get inside your head and tap into all that experience that you've had over two decades and be able to draw it out of you in a way that's gonna benefit everybody that's listening to this podcast, and that we can apply one or two things. To our life, you know, we live in we live in a information overload, don't we? And for me, I always talk about we need more revelation, and actually not more knowledge. Mm. Um, What's your thoughts on on you know when we hear a podcast uh, of taking what we're hearing and actually applying it?
0: Well, I fully agree with what you just said. Information overload is massive, right? And what I keep seeing is that really effective people, whether it's leaders or any other person, um, are usually very selective with how they consume information, how they take in information, how they process information. And the information itself is not worth a lot if we don't interpret it give meaning to it, put it into context. And that's, in my opinion, much more important um, than knowing a lot. Know-how is one thing, do-how is what really counts. Like, what do you do Mm. with all of that information and the knowledge you have? Mm. And that is at the heart of my work, right? Supporting people into shifting from know-how to do how because most people i work with they theoretically know what to do or how to do it or what they should be changing the crucial step uh where many fail is to put it into practice and then keep going and create new habits
1: mm-hmm. love that i love what the, the the do how that's kind of cool that's kind of a nice little saying i think you should run with that thomas uh... Yeah. Make a make a blog or an article out of that. Know how yeah. to do how. It's quite mm-hmm. it's quite good, isn't it? Uh I like that you said about interpreting and giving meaning to something. You know, for me that is essential, you know, that you you gotta take what you know and then apply it, give it an identity, give it a heartbeat, give it legs, let it breathe, nurture it, you know, and, and see it manifest in your life. Like that's
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Be it maybe you saw my website. There's a claim. Uh, it's very simple. Think human, act human, be human. Mm. You know, it, it really all comes down to incorporating what you believe in and what you stand for, and then uh, being an example for others with all of that.
1: Mm.
0: Being a role model, mm. inviting others to um, play along. You know. Mm. For example, the more authentic you are, the more genuine you show up, mm. uh, the more you invite others to do the same.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: there's really resonance is, is a very strong principle.
1: It is. Mm. And before we jumped online, we were talking actually about our ability to like la- wake up from naps, uh, even before <laughs> uh, who, like we set an alarm uh, and you uh, talked about how like our unconscious um, can, cr- can create that ability. Now, some unconscious things really don't serve us. So how do we take like our unconscious values uh, and make them more conscious? How can can we be more kind of reliant and more aware of uh, the values that we give to things?
0: Mm. Well, there's like two approaches. One is a more rational um, cognitive approach which would be to uh, sit down and uh, write down what you believe and what is important to you. Uh, There's some instruments I work with, for example, that uh, provide many potential values that people have. And then you go and select, you start just marking the ones that somehow resonate in you. And so you, and and then you you condense it, you you come down to like four or five core values that are really important. And then there are some profiles you can take that reveal then your value system. So that's more of a cognitive approach. And then there is a more mindfulness-based approach, I would say, which basically means paying attention, being present and paying attention to your reactions, to your inner reactions, to what's happening those are pointers towards your values when for instance you you become you get triggered by something someone does or did or you get angry you get irritated in what way uh, ever and and that's a pointer towards what is important to you let's say for example someone Behaves in a somewhat inappropriate and disrespectful way in a meeting towards someone else. In your eyes, disrespectful. And you react, you get, oh, how can he say something like that to that person? This is so disrespectful. That's a pointer to, towards a value because only because, for example, respect, mutual respect at the workplace, in meetings is a value for me i get triggered if it wasn't important for me i wouldn't Hmm. so these are like two approaches more cognitive rationally by thinking about it analyzing it and the other one more by developing mindfulness and being in a good connection with yourself uh, and a good awareness and consciousness
1: love that i think you have a great ability thomas actually to take something a little complex and make it kind of simplistic i really liked how concise and clear you were, were on those uh, of the cognitive mm. approach and the mindfulness. I feel like that that was really, really good and really valuable. Uh, so thank you. Mm. I wanted to probe with you on something because I didn't have a full understanding of it. So I kind of wanted to get your take. What, what do you mean by sustainable personality development? Mm.
0: Okay, good. What I mainly do in my work is I work with people in leading positions, leaders, managers, people who have influence in organizations, influence on tasks, processes, and people more than anything, right? And I help them grow in their roles as leaders. It's very behavioral. It's very much about the people side of a managerial position and the longer I do what I do, the more I realize, and the more it reconfirms that leadership development, by the end of the day, is personality development. Mm. Because it, it all comes down to who you are as a leader. As, it's one of the first things uh, we discussed. Huh? Uh, who you are is, is more important than what you are. Meaning that if you imagine a a manager, a leader, walking around the organization all day long, interacting with people, who they are inside, including the value system they have, the beliefs and needs they have, and personality style they have, affects everything, influences everything. What it looks like inside you, who you are as a person, what your current emotional state is, for example, has an effect on everything you do, you say, how you say it, how you respond or react to what other people say or do. And, and so sustainable personality development is at the heart of any change or any development in leadership competencies, in collaboration, in any context where people want to work together and achieve something Mm. together. And sustainable, of course, because changing my ways of interacting with other people is not the light switch. I cannot just push a button and say, okay, up to here, I did this. As of tomorrow, I will do that and mm. I will consistently keep doing that that's not how it works mm. because we're talking about a change of habit a habitual thinking and habitual behavior in adult people usually right so mm. it's it's a process and it consists of uh, baby steps mm. small changes here and there um observing does it work oh yes it does so I can do more of that I can be more bold more courageous uh, show more show up more authentically for example and so over time new habitual uh, thinking and behaving will happen
1: Mm. we've got a lot of hungry people that listen to these podcasts you know I'm hungry to keep moving that needle forward and, um, and I know that you are as well Thomas and there's a sense that the more we know the less we actually know but how, how do we continue to increase our own performance and and resilience you know resilience is something that is i think fundamental of anybody that i've studied that's achieved anything their ability to overcome uh, obstacle and pain and and difficulty really is the one thing that stands out but how, how do we increase that
0: well there's several ways because there's several aspects to resilience mm-hmm resilience is also often referred to as the window of tolerance how how much are we able to tolerate how elastic can we be uh, in the midst of adversity under pressure and not break right so we all have this window of tolerance we all have like any and every organism on this planet the ability to handle pressure to handle peaks you know Um, up to a certain point, right? And we can increase our resilience, this window of tolerance. Um, For example, by developing the various aspects of resilience. So let me name a few. One aspect is optimism. Optimism meaning even though it may look like everything is falling apart at the moment, I still strongly believe that it's gonna end well. And we're gonna come out the other end of this, it's all gonna be well. That's optimism. Another one is, and, and that's by the way, a mindset and an attitude that we can choose. Optimism is not something that happens or doesn't or depends on what's happening. No, it's a decision I can make every morning when I get up. I will be optimistic today, no matter what happens. Will I have less problems and challenges throughout the day because of that? No, but I will perceive them differently and I will be able to handle them differently, more confidently, mm-hmm. right, etc. And especially if you're in a leading position, that's crucial. Because that's what you radiate. That's what other people sense when they observe you. And you are under observation because people take you as their point of reference. Is he or she getting nervous about what just happened? Or are they confident and keep going? Okay, then I can also be calm, right? So optimism is one. Another one is solution focus. Instead of focusing on a problem and going deeper into the problem mentally and circling around the problem you know that when 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 all your thinking circles around the problem you have and you almost get into sort of a problem trance so the way or the step to step outside out of this problem cycle uh, is solution focus by asking yourself or the team okay what could be the first step towards finding a solution if we don't have one yet but what could be a first step mm. and consistently focusing on that mm. another one and that's one of my favorites because it caused a, a massive shift in some, in me and in my life once i really realized that and and fully understood it mm. and that's what i call radical acceptance Mm. of the unchangeable. Meaning that you, as quickly as possible in any given situation that bothers you, stresses you out, or weighs you down, to realize which aspects of the situation or the topic can you change and influence and do something about, and what aspects are what they are. And you cannot do anything about them because you have no control. They are what they what they are, and to then be able to fully accept those aspects and let them go, and focus on what you where you have room to maneuver, where you have influence, and that puts you in the driver's seat immediately. Whereas focusing on things that you cannot change, and and being stuck in resistance against them is just such a massive waste of. Time and energy. You see, and of course, this yeah, this radical acceptance of what you cannot change uh, sometimes is easier. You break your favorite coffee mug in the morning when you stand in your kitchen. Okay, that's a nice exercise to practice radical acceptance. There it is, gone, <laughs> shattered to pieces. Um, or you just um, you, you you just got laid off. You just lost your job. Kind of a different magnitude that may take a moment to come to a point where you can accept, let go, and move forward. Right. So these are just some aspects of resilience. I could go on, but I, th- I understand we have limited time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, it's it's really interesting. I can tell for my own my own reflection where my biggest opportunity is with those two. It's definitely the last one. I think people forget that they can choose. Uh to be optimistic and almost you know choose also to to be solution focused mm. but the radical acceptance thomas for me that's yeah. that's one that I really struggle with because I believe there's a solution to everything, and so when I'm butting up against something where and it's typically when I'm waiting on somebody else, yes it's like when somebody owes you something like yeah. and and then it's like what what do you do with with that? Uh, but you obviously have really been able to to master that. And again, like you said, it only wastes our energy. But what would be your message to, to people like me and, and others where actually we're so believing that there's a solution that how, how do we just... Because it, it almost feels like we're rolling over.
0: Yes. So this is a very important um, thing to understand when we speak about radical acceptance. This acceptance... Is only concerning things that cannot be changed, where it's absolutely obviously clear it cannot be changed or reversed because it already happened, for example. Um, and it does not mean I give up, I, I completely give up and don't try to find any way forward. The only thing I give up with this approach is my resistance against the fact that it happened, for example, or my attachment to the idea that it should be different when it isn't. (laughs) You see what I mean? That's what we give up. Attachment and resistance. The two main things where pain and suffering come from. And by understanding that, I can then, still move and still say, okay, now what? Now what am I going to do? And three things are always within my circle of influence. I can always control and I always have choices there. Number one is what I focus on. Do I focus on the fact that I broke my mug or do I focus on how I get a new mug or where I could get a new nice mug that I would like just as much. So where do I put my focus of attention? Focus of attention is like, uh, it's like a flashlight where you direct the light is what you see more, what is more present, right? The second thing you can always control and where you always have choices is the meaning you give to the situation. The ancient Greeks already knew it's not the situations that bother us, but the stories we're telling ourselves about the situations. And there we have choice. We can change the story. Right. Mm. Um, So, you know, when I look outside the window right now, it's raining. So many people would put a meaning on that fact that says something like, oh, terrible weather. But rain is neutral in itself. There is no terrible weather in itself. It's neutral. Mm. Tell somebody who lives in a a desert state that rain is bad weather. They they will laugh. (laughs) Because for them, it's what they wish for, right? Mm. So what you focus on, the meaning you give to things, and what you do about it, how you respond to it. So, accept what you cannot change because it already happened or because it is what it is and let it go. And then focus on what you can do. Love that. Huge difference, huge difference. And it's a matter of, again, awareness too. Yeah, you can practice this every day with small things that are happening. Mm. There's plenty of things to practice.
1: You're definitely a you're definitely a master of um being able to detail real tangible ways behind everything that you say. I really feel like that's a massive skill of yours, Thomas. Like just really enjoyed the way that you are breaking some of this. This is this is for me one of the most meaningful and helpful podcasts we've had because of the depth that you're sharing, which mm-hmm. I love. So kudos to you for that. One of your articles you wrote for Brains was around human factors. I I wanted to just touch on this. What what do you mean by human factors? Like, what what is that really about? Is that just the Mm. fact that we have limitations? Mm.
0: Um, What I do mean are the aspects in human interaction or also in in self-competence, you know, in dealing with yourself that have to do with For example, empathy or emotional intelligence, the ability to really show compassion for both yourself and others when interacting with others. This is what I mean with human aspects in leadership and collaboration. Of course, everything we do end of the day is human because we are human beings. Mm. Right. But in my understanding, that's the factors I mean. And why do I so strongly promote those? Well, because even though many of these things that I promote could be seen as common sense, they are unfortunately often not so common in Mm. organizations. So common sense doesn't equal common practice. It's the same as we've discussed before, right? From know how doesn't mean do how. Mm-hmm. So, what we often see in organizations is a lack of some of these aspects, of many of these aspects lack of empathy, lack of compassion, lack of true, genuine human connection, authenticity, caring for each other, mutual support, etc., etc., etc. What we do see is a strong focus on what's often referred to as the hard facts, the numbers, the KPIs, key performance indicators, um, the financial figures, profitability, et cetera, et cetera. And that's the reason why those human aspects often fall by the wayside, because there's such a strong pressure to achieve goals, to make the numbers, to uh, drive things forward, that yeah, empathy and all of that um, are not are not uh, considered well enough.
1: Mm. Mm. Now, I wanted to I wanted to touch on something that that may not be may not be a common opinion. It may even not be a common thought, but it's something that I've given thought to. Why do you think some leaders, like within the professional field, you know, actually really struggle with leadership in, in their own personal life? Why, why is it that people are really good at, like, leading other people uh, and leading organizations, and yet leading self, there's a discrepancy?
0: Mm. Well, first, we, we would have to define what good leadership in the organization means. If it's just being profitable with the organization, if that is already considered good leadership, I would put a big question mark mm. behind that because this often comes at a price. You, know, you can be very profitable by just focusing on the numbers and using people as instruments to achieve your goals and not really caring about them. This will come at a price. One of the prices is having quiet quitters. An increasing number of people who just show up, do their work, but do not engage in when, in any way whatsoever. Or high uh, turnover rates. right? People coming, people going. That's often the price. If that's what you want, if that's what you are willing to pay as a price, then we could say that's good leadership. Although many organizations currently struggle with finding good people finding and binding good people. So then maybe a different approach is more useful, right? Like the one we just discussed, focusing more on the human aspects, which are often the game changer that makes an an organization profitable without focusing on profitability all the time. You know, I just had a client uh, a while ago, who told me at the end of a 12-month leadership development program, he said, Thomas, the most important thing I understood in this program is that you can improve the financial figures of an organization by not focusing on the numbers, but by focusing and caring about
1: the people. Mm.
0: And I thought, yes, he's got it. Mm. He's got it.
1: Mm.
0: And so to come back to your question, why are some leaders successful leaders in the company, but not so much when it comes to leading themselves or, you know, being in the families and, and, and in the private lives, being, being effective there? Um, I guess, and that's my experience also, those leaders who do focus on being a human being in their leadership and who do pay attention and value uh, these, these human aspects usually are also good human beings, You know, empathetic, uh, emotionally intelligent human beings outside uh, the workplace. Those who successfully quote unquote, lead organizations without that human aspect, Yes, I, I, I agree. We often see people who are um, worst case who are wrecks, you know, personally, um, who have um, bad relationships or, or bad family situations outside uh, the workplace, because what often happens is that someone, let's say, let's say a man, of course, can be any gender, but. It, as an example, a man um, moves up the career ladder. At some point, uh, a child is born, then a second child. That often goes in parallel, right? And with the climbing of the career ladder, what we often see is that men become even more dominant, even more assertive because they have to, not because that's the only way of being successful as a leader, but because that's the behavior that's being rewarded Mm. and incentivized. That's how you move up the ladder. So you have to, and this they bring home into their families as well. So they also become more dominant, more assertive in their families and dealing with their spouses, their kids, et cetera, et cetera. And at some point, become more and more successful on the career ladder and at some point things start breaking apart. That's what we see happening every day. Mm. So on the other side, to close the circle, what I keep seeing is that when leaders go through a coaching process, for example, and they start connecting or reconnecting to their emotions to their softness, to their emotional intelligence. They've developed that. All areas of life benefit. All areas of life benefit. I had a client a few years ago in the U.S. (laughs) He said at some point, Thomas, you know what? And then he showed me his smartphone. He said, this just saved my marriage. And I was... A bit irritated because usually it's the other way around with these devices, right? Very true. And then what he said was, no, no, look, Thomas, I set myself a reminder every morning at eight. Ding! And it said, talk less, listen more. Well, he got that from our coaching program. And he set this intention for the work environment because he was really a talker. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So he set himself this anchor, this reminder, Interestingly enough, his wife was the first person to notice the difference. So it had an effect outside the workplace. Because things are much more connected than we believe. It's not work and life that need to be balanced. It's life with all of his aspects that need to be balanced. Yes. So life balance, I prefer much more than work-life balance. So, yeah, that was kind of a big circle I just took.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I like it. It was a great circle. Um, Thomas as we bring this into land is there there anything that you really want to say get off your chest something that you feel is poignant that you feel people need to hear something that's burning within you uh, and let people know as well how people can find out more about about you and your work
0: Mm. yeah what's really a burning desire for me is for as many people as possible to understand that it is safe to be yourself to reconnect to who you really are before you started trying to be what other people think you should be. So to reconnect to that, that the essence that's there, who you are in your essence, and to show that, to let it, let it show and to contribute with that quality and, and have the courage to be true to yourself and authentic and genuine and vulnerable, because that's what creates connection and trust and invites others to open up as well. And then the magic happens, you know? And so have the courage to maybe embark on a um, self-realization process, on a personality development process, on any kind of development process, leadership development, whatever you want to call it. In the end, it's always the same thing. It's about growing. As a person, have the courage, and uh, it's so worth it. And you can reach out to me. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn, through my website. It's uh, gelmy.coach with the G in the beginning. Um, those are the best ways to connect with me, and I'm happy to assist.:
1: Thomas, that was so rich and so valuable. Um, I really enjoyed this one. Um, fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me on today's uh, podcast.
0: Thank you so much for having me as your guest. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Mark.
1: Thank you for joining this episode with me, Mark Sefton. I hope you really enjoyed it. Feel free to leave us a positive review on iTunes. And I look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast.